0: I want us to read Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 18 together, and it's going to come up on the screen. There it is, because there are champions up there. This is different than how I did it at the, at the uh, earlier service, but they are so expert, they know how to deal with this stuff. All right, so I want us to read this together, okay? This is our text this morning, but I want you to read it with me, because I want you to understand where that song we just sang came from. Are you Ready? And in him all things consist, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. May God add his richest blessings to God's people reading his word. You may be seated. Well, uh, to go from the delightful to the mundane, I, I, I don't know if you know this, but in 1900 B.C., or sometime around then, we can't pinpoint the exact date, but around 1900 B.C., uh, the world changed. It, it was uh, an historical event of enormous consequence. In 1900 B.C., something happened that has shaped the world today it's amazing that something could happen uh, over millennia ago and still enrich my life today and it does what happened 1900 bc has lasting effect on my life today, in fact, even this day, not just an occasional day, but this day and every day. For in 1900 BC or thereabouts, they discovered a thing called chocolate. <laughs> they realized that they could take these uh, little bean-like things and squish them up and make a frothy liquid, now, not anything at all like uh, uh, a, a cup of hot chocolate, nothing as sweet and as nice as that. It was, it was uh, bitter and, 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 and um, uh, hot and hateful, you know? And, uh, and, and it was discovered in uh, Mesoamerica by the Aztecs. That's the first record we have. But, but it was discovered then, 1900 BC, amazing, about the same time that, that God led the children of Israel out of Egypt, in bondage. He was allowing the Aztecs to create chocolate. Some of y'all should really laugh at that because that is really funny, but I'll bring it together in a second. In the 16th century, something happened though. In the 16th century, the Europeans discovered the chocolate in Mesoamerica and they brought it back to Europe and they added something to it, sugar, Mmm, that made all the difference, isn't it amazing though that something that happened 1900 BC still shapes how we live today, depending on who you are, some of you don't care for chocolate, I'm not sure about your spiritual condition but that's okay, I, I understand it. So, you don't care about chocolate, but isn't it interesting how that something that happened so long ago still influences how we do life today? Well, far more important than chocolate, far more life shaping than what happened in Mesoamerica in 1900 BC, is what God has done in the world of humanity, in the universe itself through the person of Jesus Christ. Far more mountain-moving, far more life-enriching is what God has done through Jesus Christ. We've already read the text in, in, in Colossians 1, 15 through eighteen. I just I just want you to kind of understand what it's saying before before I get to the root of it. But but the big picture here is he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, whether in heaven or in earth. Now uh, it, uh, all things were created by him and for him, and and he is before all things, and and and. In him, all things hold together. It's it's an amazing statement about Jesus Christ. He's the king, and he is the king. If you look down in verses 19, 20, and 21, he's the king who has come to rescue you and me, and by him has brought us into a relationship and friendship with God. Now, guys, I gotta tell you, the king of the universe has changed our life, but we care more about chocolate We get more excited about chocolate. We talk more about chocolate. We think more about chocolate. And maybe it's not chocolate for you. It could be something else. But but we're talking about Jesus the king. We're talking about the one who made it all. And yet loved you and me enough to pave a way for us to have friendship with God. He is my king. Right? But is he? We're talking about unsearchable riches. And I'm telling you, as a follower of Jesus Christ, all the riches of heaven itself have been opened up to me. I am a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And all the riches of heaven have been opened up to me but it can only be mine on a daily basis. It only enriches my life day to day when I live in service for the honor and the glory of the King. And if I don't, the riches may have my name on them, but I don't have them in my hand. We're talking about unsearchable riches, and, and, and as we look at what Paul is doing here in Colossians 1, and we're going to stay in Colossians for next week too, but in Colossians 1, 15 through 23, he's, he's telling the believers in Colossae that they, needed to, they, they need to understand what these wondrous, powerful, unbelievable, incalculable riches of Christ are. And essentially, these are the riches that awaken our soul to life. And I think one of the reasons why churches limp along lifelessly and you as a follower of Christ and me as a follower of Christ limp along lifelessly is because we're more focused on chocolate. We cling too tightly to something other than the king. Oh, guys, listen. It's not halfway measures as a follower of Jesus. Can I just tell you? so many of us, please, 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 church, please. So many of us spend our lives. I won't say it's pretending because we really are followers of Jesus. But, but we, we spend our lives dipping our, our toes in the pool of Christ Jesus. But not diving in head first. We, we, we play at the game of being a follower of Jesus, but we don't sell out wholly and fully to who Christ is and, and, and what he means and what he's done. And we don't, we don't give ourselves to him. We want just a thimble full of Jesus, not enough to explode our soul or rock our world or dominate our life. We just want enough, enough of Jesus to make us feel good on a Sunday morning. God help us. We wonder why we live such lifeless, lifeless, joyless, hapless lives. Why we live so discontented? It's because we care more about chocolate than we do the king of glory. So what I want us to do is I want us to get our focus back on Jesus. I, I want us to set our gaze upon the King of glory. I want us to see Jesus in all of his worth and all of his majesty and all of his excellence. I can't, I can't take enough time today. I can't, I can't, I can't take enough time today to help us gaze upon Jesus and how that shapes our life, how that awakes, awakens our soul to life. I, I can't take enough time, but I, wanna, I just want to start the journey for you and for me. I, I want us to begin this journey together. And, 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 and so I'm going to do this a little bit differently than I normally do. Normally I have these little points that give you some, some, some bread and butter for your day on Monday, right? It, it just give you these points that give you a, a little bit of perspective. Today I'm going to say some points, but, but these, are, these are just descriptions that, as Paul describes who Jesus is. And we'll see how that enriches our life and how it awakens our soul to life. But, but I want you to focus in not, not what my words are. I want you to focus in on what the Bible says about the King, Jesus. And Jesus awakens our soul to life. He, he, he gives us these wondrous riches of heaven and awakens our soul to life because he is the image of the invisible God. That term image is it's a Greek term, icon. And, and, and it means pattern or display. It, 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 it's more than reflection. It's, it, it, and, and it's not really a copy. It's, it's the real deal. It's the real thing. And, and so when, when Paul describes Jesus as the image of the invisible God, he's saying Jesus, who is and always has been God, who, who has always displayed God who is the second person of the godhead God the Father God the Son God the Holy Spirit 3 in 1 Jesus who has always been God who has always been the display of God became flesh and blood God himself left heaven's throne took up the the this this earthly dwelling, became a man. Jesus, who is God, became flesh and bone. And in that way, Jesus has become the portrait of God in the canvas of humanity. Jesus shows us. Who God is. When we see Jesus, we see God. It's an amazing thing. Now, what does that mean for us? He is the image of the invisible God. Well, it it means that because Jesus is the image of God himself, and because he has taken on this flesh of humanity, Jesus enriches our lives by showing us God so that we might know God. Jesus himself enriches our life, uh, 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 showing us who God is so that we might know him. Know him personally, not know about him. You can read a book about who God is. I read, I read a book about the history of chocolate. And some of us treat God like we do reading a narrative about the history of chocolate. We think it's that, that's how you know God. You just read the history. No! You know God through Jesus, the image of the invisible God. And if you don't know Jesus personally, then you don't know God personally. But because Jesus is the image of the invisible God, he has shown us God. To make known God to us, we can know God what riches. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the creator of the universe. He is the creator of the universe, the firstborn of all, uh, over all creation. For by him all things were made, whether in heaven or on earth. All things were made through him and for him. Whether principalities or powers or rulers or dominions, all things were made through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, in Jesus, all things hold together. Now, what's he talking about? Well, Jesus is the agent of creation. He is the one who created all things. Firstborn over all creation, that means that he is firstborn in the sense that he has uh, the rights over creation. He is is the creator, therefore he has rights over creation. Firstborn in the sense that that he is the one who, who made all things and has superiority over all things. Jesus is the creator. All things were made through him. Jesus spoke and the world became. That's who Jesus is. Jesus spoke and the world became. But not only that, it's not just the earth. It is is all the universe. He spoke and everything became. What an amazing truth it is to understand that Jesus is the creator of all things. And as the creator, he's the one for whom all things were made. Here's what confuses me sometimes about me. I'm not gonna speak for you. This is just about me. See, I do believe that that uh, I am made by Jesus. I believe that, that He is my Creator and that I belong to Him. Except when I want something my way instead of His way. Except when I want to do things my way instead of His way. Except when there is a battle between what pleases Eric and what pleases God. And I know that what pleases Eric sometimes will win, more times than it should be. Do you ever face that battle? One of the reasons why we as followers of Jesus limp along lifelessly and joylessly in this world is not because God has left us. It's not because Jesus is not king. The reason we are living lifelessly as followers of Jesus is because we fail to follow Jesus. You see, we were made for His pleasure. He wasn't made for ours. Now, why in the world do we act as though God... Uh, should be our step-and-fetch-it man, the one who goes and and meets all our needs and and we just live along in our life in any way we please. And and, and really, the the whole concept of, of life is what pleases me, what makes me happy. If it makes me happy, it must be right. Doesn't God want me to be happy? Well, God may want you to be happy. That's not debatable, but the more important to God is you living to make Him happy. See, we were made for him. I have coffee cups all in my house. I have all these coffee cups. I love coffee. Almost as much as I love chocolate. God made them both. It's a common grace and I love it. I have coffee cups all through my house. And those coffee cups do not exist so that I can serve them. I don't wake up in the morning thinking, well, how can I make that coffee cup happy today? (laughs) Maybe it needs a little sugar, a little creamer. How can I make that coffee cup happy? Well, of course not. That's silly, isn't it? Hey, guys, we're the coffee cup. And we're acting as though God is in it. So that we can win it. So that we can be happy. So that God, God's one purpose in life is to serve my needs. When did we start thinking that way? Look, God is not at our disposal. We are at his disposal. And the reason we fail to understand the joy that comes in life is because we fail to acknowledge that we were made for the pleasure of Jesus Christ, not the other way around. The, the good news is that, that if, we, if we do follow Jesus, if we do live for his pleasure, he is before all things, and, and by him all things hold together. I, I love this picture, and, and, and I want to paint the big picture and then get to the smaller aspect of it or the more personal aspect, the big picture of he is before all things. That means he came before anything was made. Because he's the maker, right? And so, so he is before all things. But then, then it says, and, and by him or in him, all things hold together. It consists. You know what that means? It means that the, that, that the world is tilted on its axis, speeding it, uh, spinning at just the right speed, revolving around the sun at just the right rate so that this world might hold together and not fall to pieces. And it's Jesus who's doing that work. The reason we don't have more, uh, 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 more, more tragedies in this world and nature itself is because Jesus is holding all things together. The more personal aspect of that is Jesus is holding me together. Even when my world... Is coming apart at the seams. Jesus is holding me together. I, I, I think I think that 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 the way we the way we measure our closeness to Jesus sometimes is is I have more good times than bad times, and that's not right. I think sometimes we say, well, God's blessing that church because they've got all these good things happening, and God's not blessing that church because they've got some tough times going, and that, that's, not, that's not the measure at all. Do you want to know how, how we know that, that Jesus is blessing us in our lives and in our church and, 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 and in our everyday experience? It's not because we have all these good times and no bad times. It's because he is sustaining us no matter what kind of time we're facing. Here's, here's, here's how Jesus described it. And Philip mentioned this a couple of weeks ago when he preached. He, and, and Jesus, in the end of his sermon on the mountain, he, he said, okay, so whoever hears these sayings of mine and, and obeys them or does them, I compare him to a wise person who built his house on the rock. And the rains came and the floodwaters rose and the winds blew, but the house stood because it was built on the rock. But whoever hears these sayings of mine, said Jesus, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, I compare him to a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And the rains came and the floodwaters rose and the winds blew and the house fell because, and great was its fall because he built it on the sand. The picture for us is crystal clear. As followers of Jesus... We will live on the rock as we obey the rock, who is Christ Jesus. So because Jesus is the creator of the universe, you and I experience the richness, the riches, the wealth of security as we live in submission to him. And by the way, you don't get security without the submission. And that's one of the reasons why so many are here today and you're so discontented and happy and, and miserable and fearful and acting like the world's crumbling and falling apart and you're, you're just stuck in the pain of it and there's nothing you can do. Well, part of it is because you're, you're living in that fear. I'm not saying it's not painful. It's always painful. I'm, I'm not saying that, that, that you need to be happy, happy, happy when things are bad, bad, bad. I'm just saying that you can have security even when things are bad, bad, bad. And you're lacking that security and you're living in your fear because you're not submitting your life to Jesus. You're not submitting your emotions to Jesus. You're not submitting your mind to Jesus. And you might say, well, pastor, that's easier said than done. I know it. That's why I'm saying it again today. It's hard. And we have to set the reset button of submission every single morning we wake up and throughout the day. But if we want to experience the security that the creator of the universe offers, then we must submit. Some of us spend more energy and time trying to figure out how we can get our next hit of chocolate than we do figuring out how we can submit our lives to Jesus. Third thing we see. Is not only is he the creator of the universe, he is the head of the church. And let me just kind of lay it out like this. If you were to come up here and chop my head off, what would happen to me? What kind of person would I be? What? Dead, right. I'm not being metaphorical here. I'm actually being literal. You come up here, chop my head off, am, I mean, I'm dead, right? Can we all agree? We all know how this works, right? No head, no life, right? We got it? No head, no life. One of the reasons why we as followers of Jesus are living lifelessly is because we've disconnected ourselves from our head, who is Jesus. We fail to follow him. See, Jesus being the head of the church, that means that, and, and we're part of that church. We're part of this gathering of God's people, the uh, temple of the Spirit of God. We, we've been brought together by God's grace, and, and He has united our hearts together. And, and, and Jesus is the head of this body, He is the head of this church. And so we live, we live for Him. And, and, and so as we, as we look at Jesus being the head of the body, which is the church and then, and then Paul says, uh, says, and he is the beginning. I, I just love this because, uh, you, you look at that the beginning, you think, what's he talking about? It's one word in the Greek RK. And we see RK in John one, one where, uh, where John writes in the beginning, RK in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Uh, we, we, we see RK, but we don't see RK without description, without definition. He says, Jesus is the head of the body, which is the church. And then it just says, the beginning. Jesus is the beginning. Now, what's he talking about here? Well, he, he's saying that Jesus is the beginning of the universe. He's already said that. He, he is the beginning of the universe. He's the originator of the universe. He's the one who holds the universe together. But here he's talking about the church. And when he says the beginning, he's saying Jesus is the originator of the church. He is the originator of our salvation. He is the originator of this body of believers coming together called First Norfolk. He is the originator. Without the shedding of his blood, there will be no church. Without him, there is no First Norfolk. Without him, there is no body of Christ. He is the originator, but he's also saying more. He's saying not only is he the beginning, the originator, but he's also the beginning. He's the one who gives us power, he gives us power. He gives us power to live and it's a power that, that, that is displayed by being the firstborn from the dead. He's the one who has conquered death, hell, and the grave. And he has transferred to us the picture of that power so that we can live every day imbued with the power of the Holy Spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead. We live in new life, not an old dead body. We live in new life. And as we follow the leadership of our head, Jesus Christ, and by the way, that's key for us. If we're not following Jesus, we're just decapitated followers of Jesus, lifeless. So because Jesus is the head of the church, we have purpose. What is our purpose? Our purpose is to follow Jesus, to fulfill his mission. To follow his commands. That's our purpose, to live for his pleasure. Because he's head of the church, he he gives us purpose, the riches of purpose, but also the riches of power. To live victoriously day after day after day because we're following in the footsteps of our king. He's the head of the church, he is all the fullness, all the fullness. Verse 19, for it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. All the fullness. What's he talking about there? It's a Greek term, Play Roma. What's he mean, all the fullness? Well, I believe that when he says all the fullness, he's, he's, pointing, he's pointing to the, the complete catalog of God's graces. So in, in that picture, Jesus is um, uh, filled with the complete catalog of God's grace, which is wisdom and hope and mercy and joy and and, and justice and holiness. All, All these graces that belong to God, he's poured out into Jesus. Now, why is that important to us? It's important because Jesus makes the complete catalog of God's grace available to us. You live today and you act like your world is incomplete. And and, and you think that there is no hope for tomorrow. Can I ask you a question? If that's who you are, have you known Jesus? Are you following Him? Have you come into friendship with God through faith in Jesus Christ? See, if you're living hopelessly, perhaps it's because you don't know the one who gives us the, God, the grace from God to have hope. Some of you, your fears have overwhelmed your senses. <laughs> and it shows. And you wonder why it is that, that you're living in such fear. And, and, and I, I would just ask you, if you're overwhelmed with fear, could it be that you just don't know Jesus? Because Jesus, in him, is all the fullness of God's grace to give you peace and hope and wisdom and joy. So maybe some of you are here and you look like you're a follower of Jesus, but you're not. And if that's you, I beg you today, choose Christ. Choose Christ in all of his excellence and all of his majesty and all of his glory. Choose Christ. Some of us are here today and we're living in fear because we're giving ourselves over to someone other than Jesus. We're followers of Christ. He he has given us new life. He has made peace between us and God. He he has done all that we need, and we have embraced him as Savior and King, but we're not not chasing after him. We're not clinging to him. We, We live in fear because we're not being guarded by Jesus, and we're not being guarded by Jesus because we're not submitting ourselves to him. We're not putting our emotions in his hands. We're not putting our circumstances in his control. He's the King. Don't act like you are. The reason we live in fear is because we see circumstances that are bigger than we can handle. Well, duh. That's life. We have hope in the face of our fear when we see that Jesus is bigger than our circumstances can handle. So why? Why would? Why wouldn't you give all that you are to Jesus? Stop dipping your toe in the pool. Dive in with your whole life. Because Jesus is far better than chocolate. Would you bow your heads, please? This morning, I I know that we covered a lot of ground, and, and whether you know it or not, there was ground that we had to cover that we didn't get to time is gone. There's so much about Jesus that we need to be captured by. There's so much of Jesus that, that we need to cling to and we need to cling to us. And you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, and you're living in fear. You're living not by the complete catalog of God's graces. You're you're living uh, not not wholesale given to Jesus, not submitting to Him. You're you're living and and you've built your life upon the shaky foundation, listening to other voices, including your own, but not Jesus. And 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 you're obeying a lot of things, mostly your own desires, and 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 not Jesus. And you wonder as a follower. Of Christ. Why it is that, you're, uh, that you live with such a, a, a bankruptcy of the soul and such a poverty of the spirit. It's, it's, it's because you've got to have your heart and your life and your mind and your emotions submitted to Jesus. And so today, I beg you as a follower of Christ and as your pastor, I beg you, stop. Just stop. And once again, dive in with a full-form faith to the embrace of Jesus, submitting yourself to Him with all that you are, and you will be awakened to life. Some of you are here today and you're not yet followers of Jesus, and I beg you today, Choose Christ. You need to come to Christ. You've been playing a game. You've been looking apart, but you're not a follower of Jesus. You are playing a pretend game, and, and, and aren't, aren't you tired of it? Aren't you tired of pretending? Jesus is the one who took you at your enmity with God and made peace between you and God. Through his death on the cross. And, and, and only when you place your faith in Jesus can you find forgiveness. Not, not when you look the part of a religious person. Let's stop playing games and choose Christ today. Even now, the Spirit of God is opening your eyes and drawing you to Himself. You see that Jesus died for you on a cross and that you need to repent your sin and place your faith in Jesus. Choose Christ today. These next few moments I invite you to respond. Some of you, you need to come to this altar and you need to talk to God about about who Jesus is and who you are. You need to come and you need to talk to the Father and Find life again. Let go your anxiousness and your worry and your fear and your doubt. Place it in the hands of the king of creation. Some of you need to come to Christ. Be rescued by God's grace. For the very first time, cross from darkness into light and death into life. If that's you, I want you to come to one of the ministers here at the front. Others of us, we just need to think and sing and pray and worship the King of glory. So, Father, in these moments, will you do a mighty work of grace in us and among us, a work that only you can do. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.